0: Hello, welcome to My Favourite Labels from Gareth May. This month I'm honoured to be joined by John Moore. It's John rather than Jonathan, isn't it? I
1: don't mind. John's kind of easier, isn't it? Though there's a lot of Johns about so John Moore's good, though.
0: Yeah, it was um, looking in, trying to research... ninja tune generally because you know lots of things have been written about ninja tune over the years Uh, and it it was interchangeable between john and jonathan but if you try and search for john moore it tends to come up with john moore's university even though the spelling is completely of both parts of that name are completely different
1: yeah it's bizarre it is i mean also there's a a skinhead playwright, I think, called John Moore. Is that right? Enough, which used to come up quite a lot, but not that I search for myself on Google, to be honest, that often.
0: <laughs> well, as one half of Cold Cut, maybe, you know, that's the next direction, is,
1: you know. Yes, that's true. That c- could be quite a good could, thing to do.
0: You are, you are like. As an artist renowned for sort of changing well, direction a lot, right, and sort of having a wide variety of influences, so why, so why not, you know, go into the skinhead poetry market?
1: I think that could work. I, You know, we've we've done poetry before with Soul Williams and uh, Selena Gordon, so there's still a, definitely a thing the same, there. definitely <laughs> the same as it. But thank you so
0: much for for being here and giving up your time to do this. Ninja Tune, obviously, you know for anyone who doesn't know and the way i described it to people was ninja tunes released something that about 95 percent of people would have heard at some point or recognize if they heard it in a bar or a club or somewhere like that
1: no it is um you know it's been a long journey but a remarkable one and you know the good ship ninja still give it a coat of tar from time to time but you know we're 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 very blessed really that we've got a lot of people that are in into what we're doing and we've got a fantastic team and you know we are like a dog with a bone though we worry it all the time you know we do care strongly about what we do Mm. and how many releases According to Discogs, do you think Ninja <laughs> Tune have released over That's 28 years? How to start with a very unfair question. I have absolutely no idea wh- where we're up to. And I should have done my research more <laughs> in depth. I could have a quick look. Uh, yeah. Pulls up Google and has a quick look. A lot. Probably 600, maybe. Oh, well, Discogs actually rele- uh, listed 2,503 releases of the Ninja Tune, okay. but I wonder
0: if that includes all sub-labels and I everything think, else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, but... A lot I think is the answer to it, but um, you know how I've described Ninja tune to the few people who don't know who it who you guys are or what you do it's as a pioneering electronic music label you know since nineteen ninety um which a, a bit of me sort of sees as an unfair description because obviously you electronic music is a wide variety and you you know worked it from you know big beat drum and bass to grime dubstep you know all these sorts of electronic productions and that but then you know the more you look into it there's you know bands like the heavy or yeah. you know um uh, was it Maribou state yes. that you've got recently as well which are you know guitar led artists who you wouldn't deem to be electronic music artists necessarily so everything
1: basically. it's a broad spectrum which is something that you know is both a curse and a pleasure at the same time and Matt and I have always had a very broad interest in a lot of different musics, and you know we've always felt like the, the square peg and the round hole thing. So I think I get asked the question of what makes a Ninja Tune artist a lot, and I've never really seriously been able to answer it, other than to say that they all inherently have their own character. So for example, with cinematic orchestra, You know, if an artist came to us and said, oh, I've made this amazing music, I want you to sign it to the label, you know, it's a bit like Cinematic Orchestra, immediately in my head I'm going, no thanks, because we have Cinematic Orchestra, we don't need another one. And perhaps that actually is something that does make us a little different from other labels, you know, where they're quite happy sometimes to have the sort of, the top echelon of the artist and then all the sub- copies that follow on from it
0: well it's quite hard in a lot of ways a lot of for labels i imagine in terms of if you find success with one type of music as an independent label to then sort of you know rehash the same formula and say and you know from a consumer point of view from a fan's point of view you know I know what I like There's, you know, it's a few, it's not a huge amount of the audience that is willing to sort of skate around, you know, different genres and different types of music and different artists and be challenged in a lot of ways like that. So, I mean, there are plenty of examples of labels that stick very much to their formula. Yes. And create, you know, a business, which is hard to do in a independent music for sure, you know,
1: and create a business out of that. Yes. I again, yeah, I have to sort of, bring to the table some of our influences you know Rough Trade as a label and uh, a very broad base of music that they had and I w- as a vinyl junkie back in the late 70s early 80s I was particularly into them and uh, you know Stiff Records another independent label with a great um, branding and that's something I think that Matt and I and all the people at Ninja are aware of is that we've managed somehow to make a suitable hook for the coat mm. and, you know, the Ninja brand is actually a very useful thing and um, I think, as I say, that was influenced, Def Jam Records, Stax, 4th and Broadway, you know, all of these amazing records. I, as soon as I say them in my head, I can see the artwork and yep. start kind of listing the artists that I was into and... um I, I can't, I'm not sure when we did it but at some point we were having a discussion about I think I'd been into a record shop and you know the records were in all different categories and we were having a discussion like how can we kind of, and then we thought yeah okay we'll make some Ninja Tune dividers so we made Ninja Tune dividers the sort of black plastic mm. things that they have in record shops and vinyl shops and uh, sent those out to all the shops that we knew and it worked like next time we went in there was the ninja tune bin with all of our stock in one place so you know out of kind of adversity in some respects or out of a situation that you are not particularly happy with Mm. trying to think of a positive way and a nice way to tackle that i think that's an important part of surviving as a as a independent label
0: yeah yeah i think Absolutely, the branding aspect of it is vital, whether that's the genre of music or something Stiff Records is an amazing example, right, because they, their branding, if you like, was, you know, humour. Yes. But, you know, sort of that DIY aesthetic and being a bit silly with it all. Yes. You know, so I
1: think that's really big. But um, we opened up with DJ Food. Yes, an important part of the label, really, because, um, you know, sort of briefly, I'm sure most people know how it started but Matt and I was signed to a major label. We'd had hits. We were making the difficult second album, as you do, and the record company were being a complete pain and things were a bit grumpy. And we went to Japan on a tour with um, Norman Cook actually in his Beats mm-hmm. International um guys and with Lindy Layson and did like I think we did thirteen Gigs in 10 days with two matinees, something to that mass of that word, three <laughs> matinees, something like that, anyway. And never been a, to Japan, completely like amazing cultural experience. Matt and I got kind of seriously into all the manga, the ninjas, the whole thing. Came back and thought, you know what, we had our own label before we s- signed to um, Big Life and then to Arista, called ahead of our time we've done it once before let's just go back to what we know let's start a new label Ninja Tune was the name came back made actually Zen Breaks volume one was the first thing we put out by bogus order which was us mm. and um, you know we'd realized that actually our contract with Arista meant that they'd only signed us as cold-cut not as anything else and in those days most artists had one name and they didn't have loads of side projects so that was an amazing thing like okay we can just put a shitload of music out under lots of <laughs> different names as long as we don't put anything out under cold cut it's like you and Prince are the same right? yes <laughs> there's a bit bit of a, a, a thing going on there and um then the next thing we made was DJ food jazz breaks volume one and you know as DJs there had been plenty of breakbeat and bootleg albums around and you know it was food that was where the name came it was food for dj's yeah that's only something i learned really recently as well i just always assumed it was one dude as like dj food
0: it's like that's a terrible dj name but <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's like it's realized it was
1: actually making exactly as you say yeah. making food for dj's and you know it was first of all it was matt and i and then we brought other people in and so um, like a lot of things that we do, we sort of set them up, we get them going, and then we bring other people in, and then we kind of go, there you go, okay, you run with the ball now. Yeah. Cool. So what have we, um, we should probably play something else. Okay. What have we got next? Well, as we're sort of doing the early days, um, Funky Porcini was one of the first artists we signed, and, um, you know, amazingly weird music and I still love it all to this day and jungle was a big thing mm-hmm. back then and you know I'm more than happy to rinse out a jungle set from time to time <laughs> still love it, I can't stop moving when I hear the beat so we've got Funky Paul Genie with King Ashban a pal and a Dillinger mix. <laughs>
0: This sounds like funky porcini. Yeah, uh, the name of the track. What? It's King Ashabanapal.
1: And you, I just you you made it, but you have got that out much easier the second time. It's a bit of a bit of a bugger <laughs> a to pronounce. A mouthful. Yeah, it's a really weird spelling as well. I don't actually know. Uh, again, I should look it up. I don't know who King Ashabanapal is. Yeah, but I do know that that's a proper proper track and that rinses a club out without any problem whatsoever and um yeah i did have to just look it up on tinternet it's 1995 so So round about our blue note era so and you know a big time for jungle in london
0: yeah well i mean you're still releasing jungle records right Congo natty from what three years ago now was it something like that it's uh, amazing like contemporary jungle music as well still still going strong Uh, but um so, how did like Funky Portini come across? Like, how did you f- in those
1: early days? How did you find artists? Well, I, I think at first, Matt and I had intended just to put out our own music. Mm-hmm. You know, which we started to do. Obviously, as we discussed with DJ Food and various other pseudonyms, bogus order, etc. And I'm pretty sure that, um, Funky. Well, it was Nine Lazy Nine. And Funky Porcini, they're sort of related in as much as James is behind both of them, as the sort of main protagonist. And I mm-hmm. think he was a friend of somebody who was working for us at the time at the label and just approached us with his, with his material. And then just really got into it, decided to put it out. We did. We thought it was amazing. You know, it was unusual at the time and it was interesting and, you know, they had a lot of love a lot of love from people which is excellent. So you're talking about like the you know the how ninja
0: tune came about but I'm not sure if I understand the why like the why doing
1: the ninja tune not not why ninja tune but why do a new label. Well I alluded to the fact that we'd been signed to a major and having issues and you know we when we started, we kind of made records by mistake, really, mm. Matt and I. You know, we made our first record. It was a mix, really, a bootleg mix, which was, say, kids and influenced by Double D and Steinsky. And, you know, then we made another one, um, Beats and Pieces. Again, pretty much just a whole bunch of samples thrown together, including a large lump of lead set blend. And... um then the next thing, we, you know, we were putting records out, We then we did Paid in Full, and all of a sudden it was like somebody approached us, do you want to sign to a label, we'd got this idea for um, a house record, Doctoring the House, we'd got a demo of it, we didn't have a singer, signed to a record label, they put us together with Yaz, next thing we know, <laughs> we still got a studio in, in Matt's Hall in his flat, and we were on top of the Pops, and you know we just made records gave them to the record company they put them out that, that was kind it's of easy <laughs> that's how it works and it? it's like okay fine and you know everything was seemingly going very well then we made stop this crazy thing and even though it charted which is you know looking back now Say it myself. Quite remarkable, really, that a reggae-stroke go-go record <laughs> actually managed to make it into the British charts. <laughs> um, the record company started to get cold feet, and they wanted us to make more. The only way is up. More people hold on. More yeah. doctoring the house. House music had become absolutely sort of massive by that point, and um, I suppose it was the commercial sort of dominant element and we weren't prepared to do that. And we were making records, giving them to the record label, and they were going, no. And it's sort of like, oh, I'm fused. I don't know what to do now. And hence, like going to Japan, as I said, doing that thing, getting re-influenced, So was it about? It was
0: about having the freedom to do your own records the way you wanted to do them and release them in your own way, essentially. Absolutely,
1: that. And I think you know, two middle-class blokes, to be honest, (laughs) didn't felt very uncomfortable, sort of on top of the pops and the whole Mm -hmm. superstar DJ thing. And la 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 la. You know, we'd done warehouse parties where you lurk in the background playing the music and. It was about the crowd and it was about the dancing. It wasn't about the DJ, really, Mm. and that whole change. And then, yeah, I remember we got booked to do some club and we rocked up and, you know, the promoter said, oh, we've put you in the main room. You're going to play People Hold On, aren't you? And it was like, no. (laughs) That was three years ago. Or whatever. We've moved on. We're playing other stuff. And, um, you know, it was a terrible night. So it's just, you know, I suppose we were uncomfortable in those trousers and decided to get a new pair. So it's interesting then how,
0: you know, doing it, well, launching Ninja Tune from an artist point of view, being you wanting to put out your own records, then you're putting out other people's records. And, you know, now, 28 years later, we're sat in this, you know, amazing space in Kennington surrounded by people working on Ninja Tune and however many records you release a year, which you know, I, I suspect you might not know exactly how many you release in a year. Enough. <laughs> you know, so it's it's how sort of the vision, which was sort of a you know, very sort of self serving vision really in terms of putting out your own stuff spiraled into this um, you know, huge, you know, hugely recognizable, you know, independent record label with sub labels all across the world essentially
1: yeah. we wanted to have a label that was fair as well matt and i had experienced a proper ripoff you know we thought we were quite clever when we got signed to the major label but we didn't realize how complicated and um you know intertwined the whole income streams were and the way that record labels traditional major labels and independent labels as well to mm-hmm. be fair could pretty much rinse their artists out and you know packaging deductions there's plenty of famous things yeah. you know i i feel you know uncomfortable for the way that a lot of artists who are signed pre-spotify uh, or other streaming platforms that are available <laughs> um you know how they're treated now and they complain bitterly about not earning any money but actually I think the likelihood is that they're not earning any money because of the neferous deal that they have with their record company. Well, obviously, yeah, if you sign it pre-Spotify or pre-streaming, let's say,
0: then that as a method of earning money from your music isn't written
1: into that contract, so ultimately yeah. the label can do what they want. So we wanted to try and treat our artists in a way that was fairer because we felt that actually if we were fair to them, they'd be fair to us. We could invest properly in them we could allow them the space in theory to develop you know and that's that's the plan and, you know obviously sometimes artists may feel different <laughs> I don't know but a lot of artists are still with us from 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 day one you know so
0: yeah and a lot of you know art sizable artists who you know I, I mean Roots Maneuver is one that sort of leaps to mind where you could see a world where you know he puts out witness and yes. then immediately gets like snapped up by you know a major he, label
1: he got courted by various labels particularly i think after his um collaboration with left field mm. and um i think you know that courting was uncomfortable for him yeah and uh, it, you know we roots is such an important part of you know ninja and well more so big dada which is you know our side project um not so much a side project really these days um that was again a typical way that matt and i work is that and and pete works is that um you know we really wanted to do something with uk hip-hop we we'd always felt it was really important and uh you know, it wasn't getting the representation, it wasn't being treated correctly. We were we we were actually signed, when we were signed to Big Life, London Posse were on Big Life as well. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> they probably got churned over by the mechanism in the much the same way that we did. Yeah. And Will Ashen came to us with this idea and said, you know, Big Dada, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, and it was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we did. Shall we listen to Roots Maneuver? Let's listen to Roots Maneuver. So we've got obviously Witness the Fitness, which um, you know, has been such a great record for us. And um just as a DJ, just to, before we play it, you know, I've been in a club and I've been struggling on the dance floor for playing something a bit too weird for people to get their heads around okay uh panic okay witness of fitness bang everybody's happy you know it's such a get out of jail free card it's absolutely amazing so here we go
2: well, well, well.
3: the bionics in splitter, next speeds, we drown ten pints of bitter we lean all day and some say they ain't productive, could that depend upon the demon that you're stuck with, cause right now I see clearer than most, I sit here contented with this cheese on toast I feel the pain of a third world famine said wait, we count them blessings and keep jamming, tis him, scumbag scum of the earth, his worth was nil until he gained the skill of tongues from 15 years young, straight to my greyback self, I stay top shelf material, jerk chicken Junk fish, break away slave bliss. Generate G's and then be stashing with the Swiss. Fools can't see this. Order your pistols, a fist full of hip hop duns. I progressing in the flesh. Esoteric quotes, most frightening. Dumpy took a hold of my hand while I was writing. Leg on me ting, up leg on me an, I summon up the power of Banana Clan. Witness the fitness. The gruff until live, and live One hope, one quest. Witness the fitness, the fitness In that heat root juice now with their burning boots. Set them spirit them loose. Got head to go slash up the noose We conclusive proof about the truth. The right, cause whether we in shike or push bike or travel kind of trash. Manifest that with oats and roots rap. Manifest that, yeah. I do my zing way. Ain't nothing else I know. Gone up in the life with this racket bone flow. Squeeze the pain from my belly and set my soul free. Travel over ocean, land and sea. Face enough stress and difficulty. Flung back from the brink kind of stink We don't give a frig about what them fools think Free your network, our network will speak for itself Proof of the trophy and the champion belt Come sun, come rain, come hell, pelt Witness the fitness The profit and live One hope, one quest Witness the fitness The profit and live One hope, one quest Witness the fitness The profit and live at one whole one question. Yeah. Wanna see me with some old time shit. Let the old world know he's on some old key tip, megamanic. When time the pressure stops, lick by the hook, or by the crook, by the poop or by the kick heat. Sickly cryptic, spit in the code, and most proud to present that crop mode, and it shows that that rose done. Seen a few slights. Life roast scenario, reality bites. We in collision with the beast. Lost to religion, now we can't get no peace. in that we got one for tech, eye for chief. Stoop to the level. And we're plotting cold grief But we should know that Discipline make up the geese Separation of the that from the rat That's a must Proceeds at speed with the 10 touch Proceeds at speed Crofferton, y'all yeah. Witness the fitness The Crofferton live at One hope, one quest Witness the fitness The Crofferton live at. One hope, one quest Witness the fitness The Crofferton live at. Witness the fitness, the confidence
1: when matt and i first kicked off i remember some guy saying to us you know if you want to make money just put some images of cannabis on a t-shirt and you'll be all right <laughs> and he you know he, he was a prophet really top advice <laughs> yeah.
0: so so roots maneuver obviously yes. wonderful uh incredible artist um and so can we talk about sub labels generally uh, yes. ninja tune have Uh, who knows how many. Quite a lot, yes. You know, sort of some that have, you know... uh, And, well, Big Dada, you're saying Will Ashen sort of came to you with it. And I was wondering, I was sort of um, hypothesising a little bit about it, and is, say, Big Dada or other labels that you have a place to have that sort of genre-specific label, if you like, in a way that we're discussing earlier on that some labels do? So Big Dada, obviously, very heavy on hip-hop
1: yes i think it is i you know the whole thing about doing big dada originally was that there's not to be rude to my hip-hop brethren but there's a bit of an attitude or there was i don't know if it's changed now but certainly you know when big dada started there was an attitude towards um like you know it's purity within hip-hop is it was, it was yeah. a bit of a thing really the purity hip-hop ring was a bit too tight for yeah. us <laughs> and so we wanted to do hip-hop stuff but we felt if we did it on ninja it wouldn't really have worked because they'd have been going no 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 i think it might have got lost in a lot of other genres of yeah things like that so that was big data and that that works and you know it's been incredibly successful like two yes. mercury prizes you know speech to bell and young fathers yeah
0: as well as just so like,
1: incredible yeah so it was a you know it was a good idea to try and separate it out from Ninja, but keep the similar sort of ethic in some respects and the branding and you know looking for artists that had something to contribute so it's, um,
0: so uh, you've obviously got um you know brainfreeder yeah. being fly- flying lotuses yes. like la label um, you had Acid ragger with the Bug, yep. you have, uh, Technicolor is an interesting one, because um, I'm not sure how it came about, um, but there's sort of, uh, someone like Peggy Goo, who yes. released on Technicolor, a Ninja Tune label, and is now releasing on Ninja Tune, the Ninja Tune label. Quite
1: yeah, that's kind of, this you know, uh, it's fluidity, you know, you can, there's, You know, we we can break our own rules if we want to. Yay, (laughs) we've broken some rules, even though we made them up ourselves. Um, So punk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it is is that thing about some genre specifics. It's also about artists like Flylo, who, you know, have got a much better handle on what's happening Mm. and what they're into. than than I have, or Matt has, or our A&R department has in some respects. So he knows intimately the LA scene and what he wants. And so we have the kind of mechanisms. So, you know, historically there's plenty of precedence for this. So, you know, let the artist bring us the art and we'll help them promote it, sell it, Et cetera, et cetera, Certainly, et cetera. if it's on
0: the other side of the world, right, and it's like yeah. people like Kamazi, Washington, Guess yeah. I'm Killer, people like that. Um, yeah, and you know, it was amazing
1: to have Kamazi on that fantastic triple <laughs> yeah, album box a stun- set, <laughs> Stunningly <laughs> made as well. Yes, and um, you know, we put a lot of work into into that, and you know, he's now gone to Young Turks, so mm. but I still lo- I love it. actually I've got it here, over there, the new album.
0: Yeah, I saw it on the way in. I was just, oh yeah, that
1: record came out on Brain Feeder, didn't it? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, so Brainfeeder, amazing label artist-led labels are a really good thing you know i often mention in this instance um island records and fourth and broadway and the fact that uh you know they did a similar thing they you know they trusted the people who ran those labels to do their thing and that's something that i think that matt and i have done it's not been easy sometimes you mm. know to step back and mm. it's a bit like not being a parent that's not quite the right thing but you know sort of allowing your children to go off and do their own thing and give someone a sandpit to play in yeah and just let them you know get on with it so i suppose you could say it stems out of a fear of fucking up ninja tune to be honest yeah in terms of um putting
0: something out that isn't a ninja tune release whatever that means yeah know? Um, so, when you look back at why you started the label in the first place, how does that make you feel? Sort of like where you are now versus where you were then. You've got all this myriad of labels all over the world.
1: It's it's not it's well you know I'm extremely proud and happy and. Extremely worried and nervous at the same <laughs> time that it could all go horribly wrong. Like a parent, I think is like yeah. You know, have we done the right thing? Are they going to go out and do terrible things without letting us know? But <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to squeeze in a bit of Mr. Scruff, really. You know, wonderful, a, a fantastic DJ, awesome fella, um you know, great graphic designer. Mm probably do a pretty good stand-up comedy act actually but i'm not <laughs> sure but it's just northern wit right? yes northern wit let's not try and stereotype people too much but i think that's definitely the case so we've got mr scruff with kirstie mo M- milder and uh pickled spider nice. which is uh, pretty awesome so Press, press his button could
4: button. self on the floor on the floor get yourself on the floor get yourself on the floor could just 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 on the floor 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 on the
2: floor
0: So I don't actually think I'd heard that Mr. Scruff track before.
1: Yeah, it's I, it's it's classic Scruff. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's got the swagger, it's got the amazing bass. And, um, yeah, he's the master of making tunes that just make you happy, you know. And slow stuff is brilliant, the fast stuff. I could have played Get a Move On, obviously, which yeah. is sort of everybody knows.
0: That makes everyone smile and it happy. It so uh, he's—I uh, probably have heard it in one of his like six-hour DJ sets that he does um, from time to time. But he, uh, not someone I've met or spoken to, but obviously, uh, but he's uh, someone who strikes me as like a real dedicated artist in terms of he just lives for his craft.
1: He does, you know, you know, incredible as you say, incredible DJ loves to do a proper stint, which you know. Again, a lot of DJs these days, they're in and out quicker than a rat up a drain pipe. or oh, I could think of some ruder analogy, but we'll leave it at that <laughs> one. And, <laughs> and, you know, he, he's a great graphic artist. I'd say you're drinking a cup of tea in one of his mugs, which is fantastic. Tea sh- had his tea shop, didn't he, in Manchester? Is it still there? I'm not sure. I mean, I remember going to the Big Chill in the Big Chill days, which is yeah. a you know, sadly missed um, festival. And, and partaking in a cup of tea. And then I think, I can't remember when it was, it must have been a few years ago now, I went into Selfridges one mad day when I decided to chance my arm with a bit of Oxford Street, which is something... Brave, a brave <laughs> <absolutely>. choice. <laughs> well, I chose the right time, I think, a sort of odd time when most people would be heads down, no-nonsense boogie. And his tea was for sale in that, and that was a funny moment, to see one of our artists' is sort of sideline... <laughs> on sale but you know fantastic dedication to the to the cause
0: <laughs> the cause of drinking tea
1: absolutely uh, important part of dj life
0: i never thought you'd see uh, anything related to ninja tune sold in high end department stores right no it
1: just, just made do it even just thinking about it now it makes me smile it's so so funny
0: so you were talking yeah. earlier about you know at the start where about artists who Sort of stay on the label for a long time and you sort of develop them through i think bonobo probably fits into that category yes,
1: yes definitely you know i mean one of our biggest selling artists now and talking about the same with scrap and dedication are totally dedicated to his craft simon just amazing you know amazing live show Tours when he's not touring, he's DJing, yeah. and when he's not DJing and touring, he's making music. And, um, you know, an important act for us and been with us for a long time. And, uh, why
0: do you uh, define importance then? To an important act to you is that in terms of sales or aesthetic, or
1: I think both. I mean, fundamentally, obviously, a record company is concerned about its margin, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, I think Pete Quick coined the phrase crazy with the music, careful with the cash. Yeah. Which, you know, was something that we've lived by for a, quite a long time and a nice soundbite. And, you know, Bonobo, they, sign, they sell a lot of records, which is important to us. And again, makes me very happy to sign off a large check for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that must be a great moment. Yeah. And it's kind of weird, but it's, it feels good. And, you know, the fact is that all his work and his dedication pays, you know, a considerable portion towards people's wages, which Mm. is, and obviously, you know, all the people that he employs when he's doing live shows. And people, I don't think, necessarily think about that sometimes. They just think, all these artists are making shitloads of money. Well, they, they, they can do that. yeah. But equally, they're actually spreading that joy around to a lot of people. So it's a lot of people's livelihoods.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting. I was, at, I was having this exact thought in my head. I was at uh, Brixton Academy the other day watching Eels, so right. four people on stage yeah. thinking, wow, this is what, 5,000 <coughs> capacity venue, tickets are about 35 quid a time, you know, do those maths and you're like, yeah. oh, divided by four. It's like, well, it's not divided by four, it's divided <laughs> by 40 probably yes. in terms of everything that yes. leads to that point, yeah. which is often overlooked i think you know we're sat in, an o- sat in an office with i don't know how many people i just walked past outside but you yeah. know uh, people who make this happen you don't run however many labels it is that ninja tune have and put out so many releases without those people
1: yeah they they, they are the backbone of a record label and you know again being good not only to your artists but to your staff and you know. Go out and interview them; they might disagree. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think so. You know, we we try very hard to ensure that it's it's working properly. You know, even though we uh, over the course of the years, you know, we have been kind of left field about our attitudes to things. For example, you know, I love Mo Wax as a label; it's fantastic. James, great. You know, we were sort of both tarred with a trip hop brush at the yeah. same point <laughs> which is a bit interesting but anyway we will d- not go down that <laughs> route um but you know he to uh, put so much money into like high-end offices and high-end artwork and all the rest of it mm. and you know there was we we can afford to do that at the moment but there was a time when, you know, like I was just saying earlier, that a lot of the stuff in my studio comes from the junk shop from across the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I remember uh, the early days of Ninja, pretty much the office was was furnished with skip finds. Yeah. And we didn't, we were in Wood Green, and then we were in London Bridge in Clink Street when it wasn't like trendy, super London Bridge. It was yeah. a filthy ware- bunch of warehouses that were all falling down. And, you know, we're in Kennington near Elephant Castle, which isn't the hippest... Well, it probably will be soon, but... I was
0: going to say, it's 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 trying its its hardest.
1: moving towards us. Go away! (laughs) Um, You know, so... Understanding the importance of having a nice environment to work in, but also understanding the importance of not going out and splashing unnecessary cash on a a £1,000 designer desk or, well, probably (laughs) £10,000 designer desk or whatever...
0: Well, it's, um, one of those things, you know, you've lived through the moving from, you know, the nineties essentially when, you know, CDs and sales and God knows how much money like labels could make at that the, that time through the, you know, you know, destruction of the physical format in a lot of, uh, you know, it, not to make it sound too dramatic, but you know, to streaming, which, you know, has a lot lower terms of yeah. revenue per play and things like that. Uh, so you never know what's around the corner, right? So it's always the rainy day fund has to be there.
1: Absolutely, you know. I think that's an attitude we've always had. You know, don't know what's going to come tomorrow, mm. so you know, enjoy today, but also, as you say, keep a little fund there in the background just in case shit gets real.
0: So, what have you chosen from Bonobo?
1: Well, I've chosen Cirrus. Um, which is a you know, very well known track but it 's just it's i'm uh, it's so beautiful that 's all I can say really, so have a bit of that. <laughs> Bonobo and Cirrus. Yes, Yes. Bonobo and Cirrus. And, you know, very important, as I said, to the label. Great music. And hopefully back in the studio making the next record fairly soon. Paying for
0: next month's rent. Paying for (laughs) everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got the cinematic orchestra lined up as well. Another sort of... um, How do you trying to think of a good way of putting it but sort of a very on-brand in terms of ninja tune artist or sort of one of the
1: recognizable ninja tune you know defining artists of ninja tune you yeah say yeah i mean if i'm out and about somewhere where i'm you know it's not an industry event it's not a club night it's mm. not a band night um you know and i'm people ask me what i do work for a record label etc 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 cinematic orchestra oh yes okay <laughs> so you know it is a recognition it's an interesting story jason came to us uh, a, as an employee mm. in fact i think it might have even started as work experience but you know work that's a way to get to the top of the demo pile isn't it it uh, is and it's a classic yeah. you know look at motown records the classic yeah. story of and the number of you know our record labels um where art- artists I worked, you know, even on on reception, was it Rick Astley used to work at, on reception for? That um, does sound familiar. Yes, Pete Waterman stock. What were they flop? <laughs> water down and fake it. Yes, yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, something like that. But yeah, it's a classic story. Jason worked for us. You know, he did did our sort of foreign section for a while, and you know, great for him because he learned a lot about the realities. Yeah. of the business, and I, I'm not sure how it happened, but one day it was like, I've got, a, I've made a record, you know. I was like, wow, that's amazing, and off it went, and it's been a great story ever since. It's amazing, isn't it, like that?
0: I Not to talk about me, because this show's about you, but I worked for The Guardian for six years, before I was like, oh, you know, I write about music, I've got this idea about going to Uganda, and they're like, okay, <laughs> so okay. ship me off to Uganda to write about music, brilliant. brilliant. Uh, but yeah, it's a that it's amazing you you still even though you're sort of in the system if you like it's um what you were saying earlier about people who aren't a great salesman or bullshitter i think was like what you said it it still takes that courage even though you're in Mm. the room to uh, go you know what i did this thing can you listen to it
1: check it i i you know I, i totally get it i mean there's the there's also the sort of i don't know the fear of success for some people as well which is something that I've experienced not with cinematic orchestra I don't think and, you know I think their success is is, is duly deserved because again Jason's a you know he works really hard and you know, we give him the time that he needs to sort his stuff out, which can be quite frustrating <laughs> sometimes. When
0: was the last album? Was it about 2012 I think
1: it's getting to... Be, it'll be ten, 10 years soon, probably. Whoa. Which, you know, cold cut, we can't... Old cut, we can't <laughs> really complain. I think our sort of batting average is like every 10 years we'd put yeah. a record out. In fact, last you know, when we put out all the material last year, that was the sort of most amount of material we'd put out in any one year, I think. Yeah, but yeah so you know we're very we're looking forward to the to the final delivery of the new album which hopefully we can put out probably it might be by the end of this year but i think more likely it'll be ne- next year but i'm not 100% sure and again that's part of you know you've got to sometimes let these things ferment properly to make the proper brew yeah
0: have you uh, <laughs> another tea analogy. yes so, um would you um have you heard
1: Bits of the new material, I have yes, and you know it's beautiful what I've heard, and as you um, would expect, yeah. No, I, I'm not saying I'm my bullshit uh, credentials aren't that, that that strong. I'm afraid to say, um, but it, they performed at Glastonbury, and which was last year, I think, mm. and played. I think three new tracks, and they were, you know, seeing it at Glastonbury. That was actually a really lovely sunny day. Seeing the audience reaction to three new tracks that they'd not heard. Um, and some of the guests came with them to play. I think Moses Sumney, but Moses Boyd, Moses Boyd, rather. Yeah, sorry, mixing up with the jazzer. Yeah, that's all the all the jazzers. Um, Lots of them about these yes, days. Yes, no, this brilliant jazz at the moment. So yeah, part you know you could say actually that cinematic have been very influential in in mm. in the kind of renaissance of jazz. I don't think that's too much of a claim to make. Yeah. Um, so very excited about the new record, and yeah, it's a c- classic. And again, another, as you say, definable ninja artist, really. So, what have you um, chosen to play? Well, I had to go for the classic, really. It's all that you want with Fontella Bass, which, um, you know, is such a beautiful voice.
0: Cinematic Orchestra, new record, end of this year, you said, so I'm going to hold you to that.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell Jason. <laughs> yeah, so that's that I'm after him. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, you know, we're all really excited and, and, and hoping that they'll deliver. But I think, again, it's partly, you know, it's frustrating for a label and it's complex because obviously it's like, uh, I some. well, not obviously, but sometimes I make the analogy that, running a record labels a bit like running an airport yeah in as much as you have a certain amount of runway space and you have to you know factor in when you're going to take off mm. And so sometimes not knowing when an artist is going to produce something or you've got a date that they've said they're going to make it by and then they phone you up a week before and go, oh, actually, we want to get so-and-so in to do such-and-such and and it's going to delay it. You can't plan for that sort of stuff. No, so you're juggling stuff. Imagine it has the
0: opposite effect I imagine. quite like to have been a fly on the wall when uh, at the warp offices when the new apex twin (laughs) came out of the blues just like (laughs) after however many years of not making records it was just this big cash cow slowly parked up at the
1: door that's uh, yeah i I know how they feel i do it's funny you mention warp but they are kind of we feel like they're you know our sort of family things people try and uh say oh you know you're in competition and so on and so forth but we don't i don't think we feel that here
0: as in intri- as it, i was interested in that sort of relationship you have with well warp obviously a similar sort of uh aesthetic or sort yeah. of electronic music label started at the, around the same time you know about this it 89 90 yep. it's you know the same time you know it whether there was a spirit of competition or collaboration, or you know, you also mentioned Young Turks as well in Kamazi, Washington,
1: and you know, it's how those relationships are. Yeah, I mean, you know, healthy competition's cool, um, you know, they're good, they're driving factors really hmm. to make you not get sloppy and keep your game up. And there's also the appreciation factor like, wow, that's an amazing piece of artwork record you've done that and you know we wanted to sign square pusher famously i think we've talked about it before yeah and um yeah he 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 wanted to go to warp because i think mainly because you know of apex and fair enough What's it you
0: have a you have a history of collaborating with other labels as yeah. well i think um you know, there's the most recent example was what the mode selection yeah. record that you did with uh, Monkey Towns, a uh, Berlin yeah. small Berlin, Berlin, Berlin label. Yeah. You know, so it's um, I'm intrigued by you know all those sorts of relationships you have in terms of how they come about, why you do them. You know, you're a big enough label to put out these releases on your own, right?
1: We yeah, are. We might be. <laughs> I just think. Uh, yeah it's a healthy way of going about things you know and you it goes back to that thing about collaborating and Matt and I have always collaborated i think you know we we find it very difficult to make cold cut records on our own yeah you know we always collaborate with people with artists with producers with with all sorts of people and you know i think that's a healthy thing it brings more to the table i think again to you know I've always said that I'd rather have a smaller slice of a bigger pie mm. than a big slice of a small pie. What about, what about a more fun slice? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's got to be decent, you know, well cooked, mm. gluten free. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but I just think people have their skills and you know if you just wanna run things all the time. And ignore those things and just roller coaster, roller coaster, Is that right expression or whatever, roll over them, uh, yeah, bulldoze yeah. them, whatever, you know. It's much healthier to collaborate and do shit together. Mm. And um, I imagine a lot of sort of
0: small labels are an influence or inspiration in some ways to yeah. what you're doing in terms of a lot of them. I don't mean this to be a negative, but you might take it as one that they they might have their ears closer to a ground in, to the ground in certain t- what's happening elsewhere in the world or what's happening elsewhere in london or in, t- in different genres of music
1: absolutely you know you can't be you can't have your ears everywhere and you can't you know when you're in your sixties you can't be a hip young thing yeah. you can be a hip operation probably, but that's about as far as it goes, you know so you know we have a good mechanism and so working with those labels we can use our skills in in that area so it's similar to say having the bands having the artists bring their own take on a label to us and us working with them you know working with new and interesting labels it's good for all of us cool um so what have we got next we're bringing it more up to date bang up to date with bicep and glue (laughs)
0: read somewhere that you um or well, you might have even mentioned it briefly earlier about uh when you started ninja tune you to get away from sort of
1: techno and house yeah there was that element at the time it's just like it, you know you say techno and house that's a fucking broad yeah, canvas. for sure it really is
0: well you say the house music and industrial techno aren't the same genre yeah
1: <laughs> so i think what we were getting away from was a combination of you know, perhaps we were wrong at the time, I've no idea, but it'd become like a cheese fest, mm. you know, it's just, it was all encompassing, and you know, I remember a period when, you know, we were playing to a rat and a couple of stoned caners in a toilet somewhere yeah. in a massive club, or boof, 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 went on in the other room, mm. and you know, You could clear the dance floor by playing a Massive Attack record, and that was a sad time. Yeah. Um, So we did. We wanted to carve out a territory that was different to that because there were so many people involved in that, and it's kind of weird because you know we'd made quite a lot of house records in our time, Mm. and you know worked with some pretty good you know house acts. We've had you know with people hold on. We had. blaze do a remix work with them on a remix and Juan atkins and you know i went to new jersey to some super hip underground club and heard them playing people hold on there just amazing and then must be a bit surreal that moment that was incredible, yeah. It's really incredible. I can't remember the name of it now, but it was super hip, and people talk about it still to this day. Yes. Whatever club it was, <laughs> um, but you know, it it just it's like all of these things. I think I learned it. I'm rambling a bit now, but anyway, I'll get to the point. <laughs> I think I learned it at college. Is that you know I, I knew of Picasso but actually I was quite young and arrogant and I thought it was shit. I thought mm. this work was shit. It was all over the place. You could buy an ashtray with Picasso artwork on it, you know. But then I went to college and I went back through history to day dot of Picasso and realised that actually this incredibly amazing, forward-thinking, outrageously, beautifully made stuff. Mm. And over the course of time... It had been photocopied, and then somebody had photocopied that photocopy of that photocopy of that, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to the point where it actually devalued the original work. And house music kind of went through that period. And, you know, the only way is Essex, Love Island. <laughs> They're easy targets, you mm. know, and they serve their purpose, but it's a similar sort of thing. I think
0: yeah. every every genre that's ever been popular or gone mainstream has had that period. Yeah. I mean I think dancehall and reggae of which I'm a huge fan is the one where you know 99% of what you go into listen to is awful yes. and has no purpose in yeah. being made and you know and I don't know to me it just makes it feel all the more satisfying when I find something yeah.
1: fantastic when when you can you know, when you can pan that gold in the shit stream, mm. it's a lovely feeling. And you know, so yeah, we 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 did decide to kind of leave the house alone for a while um, until then. Something th- came back and inspired you. Yeah, and you know, bicep, a very good example. I mean, there's others. Th- there's other house orientated stuff and techno orientated stuff. Mm on Ninja now and I'm proud and out yeah on that <laughs> on that on that thing but um you know I think it's gone through that phase where it's had its shit time I mean it's probably gone through 20 phases mm. since we made that statement and yeah. moved away if not more but you know th- there's a period now where we mentioned it again jazz is pretty amazing and as is the some fantastic house music yeah and um, it's funny, I, so my daughter, who's she'll probably not be happy for me mentioning it, but it's just coming up to her 30th year now, and she's like, Dad, Dad have you got some early house? And so my partner, Sophronia, said, you know, have a listen to this and have a listen to that. And she's oh, this is amazing. I've never heard this stuff. And by early house, we're talking 1990, not yeah. 1984, <laughs> eighty five. But, hey, you can live with that. Yeah. So, you know, again, cycles. I, mean, I wonder how that made you feel. But oh, amazing. I'm I'm yeah. more than happy with that. And know, d-
0: my, um, me and my dad had a real bonding moment a few years ago when I went through his old record collection and found out he was a fan of a filthy, sexually explicit disco. which I'd never known for, like, what, (laughs) 20-odd years that I'd him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating, isn't it, when that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's a great moment. And, um, it you know, it does does show that, actually, there's a lot of young people out there who, you know, are constantly, you know, now with all the technology about music as well, they can rifle through the history of music and choose what they like. And they're keen. But new
0: history... Is coming so before we start recording, we're talking about Atacac, right? Yes. And that's a well, 33 34 year old record is now that is now being toured and now being discovered for the first time. And you know, I've had plenty of labels on here, you know, Finders Keepers, Leap to Mind of labels who go and find gold from yes. other parts of the world, and it's new music yes. for Western ears, you know, and it's Phenomenal awesome tapes from Africa, Atacacac's label as well. Sort of like that's what they're built on is finding that music from like decades ago and bringing it new. And it's just makes I haven't got a point apart from the fact that it just makes the music community or music world seem so fascinating now.
1: Yeah, it's I love it because you know, some of those records I know, and some of those records I used to buy a lot of records from Stearns, which Mm. was a fantastic African record shop in in London and also from Orbitone Records in Balham Market which was that st- African stroke uh, soaker yeah shop which is just amazing and yeah I, I, a lot of those records are impossible to find or it's so stupidly expensive if you want to pay the crazy prices that collectors and dealers want you to pay yeah. and you know it's incredible and important that they're being brought to light and made available for people to listen to but also to reinvigorate some of those artists careers who you know haven't necessarily been paid any money at all from those records
0: i I always forget who it was it was it hayley merger or someone who was um sort of found playing keyboards in the back of a taxi cab in whichever African nation he's from and it was you know it's a data yeah. cack as well sort of like off for 30 years then suddenly it has a completely different life and then is sort of picked up from obscurity and you know goes around the world yeah
1: I think I I love that about now that maybe it did happen back in the day but I think that you know tech technology and the internet have helped that to, mm. to happen which is just it's just fantastic and you know, being a fiend for n- for new music of any type, old or actually brand new, yeah, um, I love it. You know,
0: so, um, we're running out of time, so I think we will sort of rattle through some more tunes.
1: I think. Okay, so we got to talk about Young Fathers, really. Oh
0: well, but well, well, one of your Mercury Prize
1: winners. Absolutely. I mean, what can I say apart from that? Like, I love their thing. You know, it's. It brings, for me, so many things together. Something in that in Young Father's work that takes me back to my youth and sort of the, the late 70s and post-punk, the new wave, and the, and the new wave of electronica and throbbing gristle, hmm. Cabaret Voltaire, various other bands. You that and the, uh, was it the Scars that came from? Do you remember them? No. Okay. There's a couple of punk Scottish punk bands that I I I love. There was one, Richard Jobson was in one of them. I can't remember what it was called now. But anyway, there's an element of that in their music. They probably won't <laughs> forgive me for it. But hey, but yeah, I mean, so, so super proud to have them on
0: the label. Did you talk about making a political statement as well? And it's something that isn't new to Ninja. Is it Soul Williams, wasn't it? The, yes. Um, you know, had a, a track, was it about the Iraq War? Was it? Or yes, uh, Stop yeah. the War. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. You know, so how I mean, you were talking as well sort of this modern age and the trolls and you know, everyone's got a voice and they will make it heard, right? Yeah. In those instances. How do you as a label what's your involvement in that or what's your I don't know I don't know if it's a duty of care for an artist. Yeah when they're we, doing something like that.
1: You know, duty of care is a very good description actually, you know, a tort, I think is mm. the legal term. Um it's it's important to us that, you know, again we've had to learn sometimes the hard way how it how it works and stuff you know if i'm trying to think of a, a good way to put it but you know as a company well actually timber is a good example of what our track timber mm-hmm. we we were offered a considerable sum of money by a car company to sink it to one of their adverts mm-hmm. and you know, at least they weren't a timber manufacturing company. That would have been even harder. But, you know, it was <laughs> a difficult thing because, you know, what how, how do we deal with that? Do we just say no? And that means that all of the people at Ninja who'd worked on that record sort of don't see the benefits of it mm-hmm. as the bosses of the label, do we have the right to say to them, we believe in fox hunting, we're going to go shooting some foxes, and fuck you if you don't like it, Mm. or do we go, hey what's your position on fox hunting, shall we try and reach an agreement, it's really difficult, so you know, just Matt, me, Stuart from HexStatic Stuart Warren Mm -hmm. Hill, discussing how we dealt with this issue of do we sync this to to this advert or not and in the end we phoned up Greenpeace and said you know (laughs) what can we do and they said oh well we've got to educate such and such I think it was Ford educate Ford campaign so we're like okay cool take the money so we licensed the track to Ford for their advert I think it was only in Canada possibly and donated the money to Greenpeace So that way we felt that we'd sort of done the right thing yeah so It's a difficult one, you know. It's hard um, in
0: those situations, because I imagine if you don't license it, they
1: end up just creating a track that sounds the same. Yeah, that's happened to us in the past. So, you know, at least we nailed our made-in-China plastic unrecyclable fag to our rare Brazilian mahogany <laughs> mast. <laughs> that is quite difficult sometimes. Um, so what have you got uh, lined up next? Um should we go? Well, uh, we. I think the bug.
0: That's oh, the the moment I've been waiting for. The buggage. the lovely bug, and it's, skeng. The the big hit.
1: Yeah, I love the bug.
0: Oh, I I do as well. I said off my kids. Uh, what ten years ago, almost to the day that I discovered London Zoo, that that came out and that first track, that Angry with Tipperary. Oh, I uh, love just, that. Oh, What a, what a tune! And someone else who lives for his craft you know I've met Kevin a few times and you know he just keeps creating
1: unbelievable music. It's incredible. It's also amazing to witness him playing in a club with his, his, his system and the bass and stuff you know he can wobble parts of your body that you didn't know were wobbleable. <laughs>
5: Pin a min a and one This one dedicated to all bad man Whether you from Manchester or London Whether you are from London or Brixton Put up on a hand Pin a min and two Side kill him on a road show So what brothers I'm a roll deep bro You don't wanna brush We will step on with show. show You know what say, I'm show. true Pin a min and three Put in the and Take out the seed You all of me intelligent people On the roadside We I smoke weed Yes indeed That's what we need Four One time we talk I'm not talking no more Inside them boy I'ma kick, kick off them door Kick off them door I'ma run up with the 4-4 You don't wanna see the 4 4 Boss my gun on them now Life. Take for your son, I might take for your wife. And you don't know set, Me, I go still I go stab with knife. Tell them I boppin' in a in and six. Them walk with knife when we walk with six. Tell them me, I go down some bricks, don't some bricks with a M16. Tell them I in and seven. How much golf we bought for the week seven? Man don't more get one out of the seven, cause you only gonna get eleven. Tell them about am up in min and 8 Bust my gunshot boy at the gate Been a really curious early or late Bad man real gonna fake shit Pin a min a 9 Tech with a 9 SW9 nine. Tech 9 and a Tech 9 Why them trying this me is fine Fuck why boy fuck with mine Then I get the 10 Back 10 Pin a min a 10 Tell them I'm ready now tell them again No problem
6: Skank 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 Me and ke man boss off the big skang. Skank 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 Me and kill a we load the big skang. Kare 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 Skank pan load, no skank in a kare 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 Me ain't kill a man, load. load in a kare Road, road, road. Gone in anna when I walk with sword 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 so, shot in a face like that in a board. Read. Read 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 Bullet fly through Bumble Whirlwind well screen. screen 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 Who can hear them? Mama I can feel
5: Bossy oh, all in you know, a no me See on the roadside rolling. Mm-hmm. Like say you feel it can Roll, roll in mm-hmm have the machine ready for them ready for them now make me have to strolling when the big dog rolling don't wanna see when one start lead, it will be like when dogger eat tribes. Come and stop in the wall out of them. Tell you the truth, i me not care about them. Come when we dump it, the duck in the dump in the duck with them, you got to send back to for them. Man a bad man from mm-hmm. a long time. I swear down you can ask all your people them. Looking at my face, brother man, you don't wanna see man when
6: we get evil then then. Then you don't wanna see me get evil. Evil. Evil, evil, worse, worse, worse. Shot in the face, make it sin for the nurse. Worse, worse, worse. Shot in the face, make it sin for the nurse. nurse. Nurse, nurse, nurse. Doctor can't fix you, send for the earth. Earth, earth. earth. Things she sent for the earth. Black, black, black never start. Everybody in a black, 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 black. Cooper in a suit and woman in a frock. Bossy
5: in a to me. See me on the roadside, rolling. Mm-hmm. Like say you feel it, can Rolling mm-hmm. The machine ready for them, ready for them. I make me up stroll strolling mm-hmm. when the big dog rolling. Mm-hmm. You don't want it when gunshots start eat, it will be like when dog eat tribes mm-hmm.
0: It's gang is 10 years old right this well yeah. pro- maybe even more more than 10 maybe Possibly, yeah. But it's uh just one that just doesn't get
1: old it's a revolutionary record i mean you know took that whole digital thing and just pushed it to the extreme and um
0: that's oh, where I, 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 love I love that, that sort of uh, digital dub and dance hall, you know, labels like Jatari, yeah. probably referencing conversation, t- one out of every three conversations I have about music and <laughs> you know, like, labels like that, that are really pushing this yeah. sort of music forward. But the bug is, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. So we're going to bring it up to date, even more up to date than 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> uh, um,
1: Back to Brain Feeder that we mentioned earlier with Flying Lotus and for me a phenomenal artist thundercat you know just i yeah you know, i feel very privileged to have actually sat in a recording studio with him when he's just messing about on the bass guitar yeah. not actually really taking into account that this is a performance or anything he's just sitting out like doodling on his like and five string bass yeah and it's just the most amazing thing he's just so talented Mm. And you know, signed to Brain Feeder again, kind of unusual look for a lot of people, but yeah. for me, you know, it fits right in there with all of the things that I love and takes me back to P Funk, Junie Morrison. He's managed to again splice all those influences together with this incredible musicianship and come out with something that's unique, yeah. And he's uh
0: I collaborated with, uh, obviously, Kamazi Washington, Kendrick yep. Lamar,
1: people yep. like that. He's just a phenomenal artist. Yeah. And the family, his heart, you know, his brother's just an incredible drummer. Mm. Um, just I've, I've, I've sat in front, watched those fingers. I've sat yeah. and gawped at those fingers for hours trying to figure out how you can do that. And it's just amazing. Yeah. So, Thundercat. And the track that I have chosen is Them Changes, Great. which sort of sums up Ninja Tune in some respects. But well, Them Changes? Yeah.
0: Uh, Just a phenomenal artist,
1: yeah, and and a a very entertaining character as well. So, come to the
0: end of two hours of ramblings and (laughs) hopefully insightful chat. I want to ask, sort of how how you reflect on twenty eight years. I mean, I don't know how often you get to sort of look back through the catalogue and pick out tracks from what you from the hundreds and hundreds of records that you've put out, but. How do you reflect on where you've been, where you are now?
1: Yes. I mean, I'm uh, one of my problems is I'm, you know, I sort of look back, but I'm always looking for the next hill to climb to a certain extent. It annoys people, I think, sometimes <laughs> and so yeah, I'm more in- often interested in what's coming tomorrow rather mm. than what went Yesterday, and but when I do, and when I'm sort of forced, sometimes, like when we have a anniversary of some description, yeah. I go through, and you know, it's like Jesus, did we put all these out? That's <laughs> amazing. I've forgotten about this record. It's so
0: good. And is it a is it an artist mentality almost, where you're sort of not you're more excited about the thing that's coming or the thing that you're working on or that's in front of you at the moment than the thing that's just gone? That's gone. That's done. That's yeah. yes
1: <laughs> hands up i think that's it you know yeah it's i still sort of you know can't quite believe that out there there's so many people working and that matt and i started this and you know, obviously with pete it's a very important part and now we've got some other p- people in who you know hopefully we can dodder off into the sunset and um, you know they can wheel us in from time to time going you 're all doing very well, so <laughs> you might get that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the older folk among you might get that quote mm. um and yeah i I think maybe that 's that sort of desire for the next thing you know the sort of um, not short attention span that 's not the case, but that like i don 't know perpetual excitement, yeah, just wanting to new music, new music, yeah. new music. Not to mention Bandcamp, which also is a massive st- time stealer for me. I absolutely adore it. I'm yeah. always on there listening to stuff.
0: It is uh, my n- my go to for finding new music yeah, now. Same here. It's just a perfect uh, it's a perfect fan resource. Yeah. It upsets me when the labels aren't on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I buy a, a ton of stuff, and it's nice because you know, I, I I like buying records. Mm. You know. I've always liked buying records as I'm lucky to have the money to do it, but I think it's important to do that. Yeah. I'd rather go into Bandcamp, buy the record than phone up their label and go, Hey, I'm Jonathan Moore. Can I have one of your records, please? I'd, pro- I'd rather go to that. You know, that's, I think that's more important to support those artists and those labels by actually flashing the cash.
0: It's quite interesting then uh, just to wrap wrap it it up it's you know the personal touch and you know the connection to the fans connection to the artists the the link between all those things for a label that was set up essentially as a antithesis of the major label system yeah if you like not to not to like go all stack uh, stiff records on you but it's a it's phenomenal that that's still 28 years on is still the driving force. And like you say, you've got, you know, from two important people setting up a label, you now have, you know, however many important people are in the room next to us sort of still running this label and still, instead of it being a business, which it undoubtedly is, it's still a business that is in connection
1: with why it started in the first place. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that I haven't lost that feeling really Mm. i think if i woke up tomorrow and felt that i had lost that connection it would i you know i'd be dead Mm. mortified as they say
0: yeah so thank you so much for like taking the time. Thanks for having us. You, ha- I can see you've got a lot of records to listen to. <laughs> uh,
1: taking time out from listening to those records to speak to us. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I might play with my new generation X1 stylophone, which is that. The, is that is the, my the, latest uh, toy? That, that's the product <laughs> placement. Uh, yeah, no, I should <laughs> do. They sent me one, which is really, really nice. Yeah. So, um, what are you going to finish with? What am I going to finish with? Yeah. We're gonna finish with again sort of up to date and actually one of the artists that we're again really pleased to have on the label with Peggy Goo and Han Jan similarly again people probably wouldn't put her together with Ninja Tune Mm. but
0: as a Korean uh, Berlin based Korean artist yes producer
1: but super super heavy experimental but lovely palette good stuff so you know keeping up that you know unexpected thing which uh, again is something that's important to us
0: great um yeah thanks again so if we want to buy all these records is it ninjatune.net the best place or bandcamp
1: it is ninjatune.net we've got a shop there that you can go to and um but there are other platforms <laughs> <that> are available <laughs> wherever wherever you will yeah. spend money on our stuff do that but i think obviously coming to us direct is is uh, is putting the money straight into the mouths of those starving artists and <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak of which peggy goo what's the track called for this it's one? called han jan right.
0: thanks very much brilliant thanks <laughs>